Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey everybody, let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean, huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. Has it been a while since you flipped that thermostat from heat to cool? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services before you do for an $88 AC start and check to make sure your AC is in tip-top shape. Griffith specializes in carrier, but services all brands. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today. Your local carrier expert. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Welcome to the main event, Mark's Podcast. I am a lifelong wrestling fan, former radio guy, and father of six cats. I am Troy. Joining me today is the WWE Walking Wrestling Encyclopedia, the main event collector, and the Rick to my Scott Steiner. He is Greg. What's up, Greg? (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, I made the Michigan guy (laughs) reference on this one. There's two Michigan guys, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was either that or I could have made the reference to the other Michigan guy, Kevin Nash. So either way, I was screwed. Before we get started, I want to let everybody know we are officially on the Unhinged Sports Network. So go check us out every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We drop a new episode. We are live. UnhingedSN.com. Also, we're sponsored by FuboTV and Fanatics. 
you're a real sports fan, you're going to want to click the links in the show description and let them know that the main event marks and the unhinged sports network sent you. Yeah, Fubo, right, go earthquakes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but today we are talking about uh, Super Brawl 8. You were there in the crowd, man. I assume you got some good personal stories to share from from this one. I remember sitting next to a drunk guy. Oh, man. That's <laughs> always... Uh, I mean, was, was he a big guy with the no, look, bro? No, no, he was just regular sized guy but man he wouldn't shut the hell up all night and i, I just feel like every single time someone hit a move he goes oh man i bet that hurt <laughs> just like, <laughs> that's awesome like he just I, said it like a hundred times dude i actually caught myself saying it ironically nowadays I'm like oh god <laughs> but that hurt <laughs> you should halfway through the show did you look at look over at him after a while and just be like i bet that one hurt <laughs> <laughs> no his head was gonna hurt in the morning he was hella wasted yeah, yeah. well, we've got some, in the future we'll review WrestleMania 34 that we were personally at, and man, there were a lot of drunk guys at that one. Remember uh, Ric Flair guy with the robe, he, he went for beer like every five minutes? Yeah, looked like he made the robe at home, <laughs> like he just glued he, feathers to the end of the bathrobe. He had a horrible wig on too, remember that? Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, how many beers can you fit in your pockets? <laughs> like, I, I like the guys with like... Uh, the old, what are they, carpenter jeans or whatever? They they got the holes or the the pockets like halfway down the leg. Yeah. They've got like six sets of pockets, and they had a beer in each one. At one point, I remember he had two bottles in each hand, and he had the cup in his mouth, holding it with his teeth. Oh yeah, so you can carry seven. Nice. That's <laughs> well, thinking ahead, man. First thing you and I thought of too, real quick, he's like. Damn, how much money did he spend on that? Like, that's where our heads went right to. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, because I went to a baseball game with a guy who did that. He bought the Tall Boys and of, like, the expensive beer, the dark beer or whatever. So it was, like, I don't know, eight bucks a, a, a can. And I'm like, dude, you, you have drank, like, six beers. Like, you spent more on beer than you did these tickets. We got bleacher seats. Probably all but, proud. Well, to be fair, bleacher seats are usually the cheapest in the whole whole place. Yeah, so. I, I know, but still, I was just like, the F. But Super Brawl 8, man, took place 1998. We'll get into all that here soon, but it took place in the Cow Palace in San Francisco, which, again, we'll talk about when we get into the event itself. But this was the third Super Brawl to happen in the Cow Palace. And you told me the other day you've got some, uh, you, you've got some good memories of the Cow Palace. And you said it seemed like it's been lucky for you. It has, yeah. I think this was the second Super Bowl, by the way. Um, I don't think it was there in 96. Yeah, Super Bowl 7 was there, Super Bowl 6. Yeah, okay, never mind. Uh, Super Bowl 9, however, did took place in Oakland at the Oakland Arena. At that one, too. Yeah, so I, I like how they go from the Cow Palace to the Oakland Arena. Which, which was better? Oh, easily the Oakland Arena. Wow, really? Oh, oh that's, that's easily, what's the yeah. Oracle now, okay. Yeah. Cow uh, Palace, as much as I love it, is it? Dump. It's like, it literally goes smells like cow crap. So, but then they go back to the Cow Palace for Super Bowl 2000. So. My only thought there is they had a rodeo book that day. <laughs> Probably it's either a rodeo, a gun show, or a tattoo expo. The top three things they always have there. We're gonna get into all the news and notes from the time. There is a lot to get into. Again, we're gonna take the biggest part of the podcast, probably talking about that. Not that the event was not you know noteworthy itself, but. Uh, there's some stuff to talk about, man. 
So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, it's news and notes. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. At Total Wine and More, we know what pairs perfectly with summer. Go ahead, test us. What goes best with a beach trip? This crisp rosé. A pool party? Try these craft beers. Oh, you're good. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and More. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. We're back, but before we get into the news and notes from the time... Make sure that you visit unhingedsn.com. You can hear us every single Wednesday at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. That's p.m. Uh, we come on the air right when NXT and AEW Dynamite hit the air on the East Coast. You ready to get into the news from late February of 98? Yeah, tell me who passed away. Well, you know who passed away here. We got to talk about it. I wasn't even trying to be funny. This is a thing. Every time we do a damn show, someone else passed away. It's sad, but... I know. Well, I try to open the news with that so that we can kind of move past the death and everything early and uh, just move on. But, I mean, this one's like a three-prong story here we got to get into. But Luis Piccoli passed away this week from a drug overdose at the age of 27. You and I are both older than that. So that just blows my mind. Uh, He was found dead by a friend who stayed over at his house that night and who was going to wake him up so that he could catch his flight to Nitro. His friend smelled a bad odor, and when he opened the door to Spicoli's room, he found him face down on the floor with vomit everywhere, and his body was already swollen and discolored. Spicoli had reportedly taken 26 somas and washed it down with a lot of wine. His friend had had been concerned about his pill usage and actually hid the bottle that night, but he apparently searched the house and found it. I can't even mm. imagine. It doesn't say who the friend was. I assume it's nobody with any name value, but it's just like, I can't even, I can't imagine finding anybody that way, but let alone, you know, a good friend, especially yeah, after yeah. you took time the night before to hide his pills. Yeah, I know. Um, I remember uh, none of us, I mean, at least at the time, there was no internet, you know, we didn't have smartphones and all this stuff. So I didn't even know about it until the next night on Nitro. And if they said it, I, I missed it. Yeah. Because I opened well, up with, like, a graphic, rest in peace, Louie, and then, like, I think he was supposed to wrestle uh, Zabisco that night, and it just never happened. Yeah, that's actually the second prong of the story here was backstage at Nitro. The mood was said to be some sadness and surprise, but mostly business as usual. They acknowledged Spicoli's death on air, and Larry Zabisco, who was feuding with Spicoli at the time of his death, basically stayed in kayfabe and refused to say anything about Spicoli. Otherwise, WCW didn't acknowledge it beyond that. It was an ECW uh, guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember if it, I'm pretty sure it was Bischoff who said this, or it might have been, I, I mean, I can't, I couldn't think of anybody else who would talk about this. It might have been uh, Tony Schiavone, but, you know, they talked about, you know, how they didn't really mention it much. And uh, they said, well, not to, you know, trivializes death because obviously it's not trivial or anything. It's a death, you know, especially one like this, but they said, um, I mean, he was kind of an undercard, kind of an undercard guy. Didn't get a whole lot of press and everything. So they're like, I mean, do you think that's why? Like, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, probably. 
Yeah, I mean, but it wasn't a high-profile feud, too. Yeah. It's just, I mean, yeah, they they definitely should have acknowledged it more, but I don't know, maybe... The only thing I can think of is the circumstances. I was going to say, I don't think they wanted to... Hey, one of our guys OD'd. Yeah. Yeah, that was something recently uh, Bischoff talked about when uh, I think uh, Vince McMahon had taken some shots. You know, it was during the Billionaire Ted skits, and he was taking shots about steroid use in WCW. And Bischoff's retort was like, really? You're going to go there? He's like, two of my guys I just signed from your company just failed a drug test. And you're going to yeah. go and you're going to go on to me about drug usage. So, yeah, the the third prong of this Louis Spicoli thing was that his death had naturally led to a lot of discussion within all of the companies this week about how to handle drug problems that are so common in the business. Bischoff claims that he was unaware of Sp- that uh, Spicoli had any history of drug issues. All right, I'm going to pause right there. I find that hard to believe. Like, apparently this was, like, well-known for years. Hey, Spicoli is, uh, you know, doing a lot of things. <laughs> I I mean... I know he was in WWE as a jobber for quite a while, too. Yeah, well, apparently that's why he got fired from WWE was drug usage. So how did Bischoff, his boss, not have any knowledge of this? Oh, again, he's not a name, so they probably didn't do a lot of research on him. Maybe. I, don't I mean, I'm know. not trying to bury the guy, it's, you know, but I'm not trying to be funny. But, like, really, well, think about it. Like, well, how, much, how, much re- how much review would you do on Louis Spicoli? Yeah, that is true. But, yeah, apparently, um, in, this is just a rumor. I'm going to preface that. But he did a lot. Oh, of, Lord, what did Uncle Dave say? Well, he did a lot of wrestling down in Mexico. His his name down in Mexico was uh, Madonna's boyfriend. It just yeah. makes that just makes me chuckle. For years, I knew that name. I didn't know who it was. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the first time I saw him was on uh, their uh, When Worlds Collide show. And I they kept saying Madonna's boyfriend. I'm like, what the hell is that? I'm like, wait a minute. Spicoli? Okay. Um, Wasn't uh, T.L. Hopper at one point the dirty white boy? You just never know. He, yes. You never know who these yep. guys are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that one seems to fit more than Madonna's boyfriend. But this one, he, uh, I, I, you know, the, the rumor was that he went to Mexico and he would be basically a mule for the boys in the locker room. So, I mean, supposedly that's why the, the clique loved him so much was because he was their mule from Mexico. Good and, Lord. Again, Again, oh. this is all ru- rumor and innuendo, but, I mean, that doesn't sound super far-fetched. It also explains why they put him with Scott Hall right away. No, oh Also, if you gosh. go back and watch his stuff yeah. in WCW, I feel like he was, like, only with Scott Hall. Not like with the NWO, with Scott Hall. Yeah, good buddies, I'm sure. Yeah, well, Let's not touch that obvious low-hanging fruit, please. <laughs> gosh. Uh, Bischoff also says that WCW randomly drug tests at Stars. And all wrestlers take mandatory drug tests when they sign. He also denied that anyone has contract stipulations that they won't be tested. He says that when WCW wrestlers fail drug tests, it's not publicized due to a confidentiality agreement uh, that wrestlers who fail are required to attend educational classes. Spicoli was allegedly tested twice during his time with WCW and passed both times, although he had a prescription for the SOMAs. So having that in his system wouldn't be considered failing. WWF had acknowledged that they were aware of Spicoli's drug problems and even discussed it with him before releasing him last year. And in fact, his out-of-control drug problem is the reason why they eventually fired him. Damn, man. 
Yeah. So there's a lot there. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. But first of all, I mean, again, with the low hanging fruit, it's a you know when Bischoff was like, well, we drug test all of our stars. Okay, so Disco Inferno is like exempt. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. Uh, and Conan. It's, hey, well, he was hey he was over his f in Mexico. All right. Yeah. No, this is uh just a lot. I mean, yeah, if he has a prescription for the Somas, that's not anything that would pop up. So maybe that's why. I, I don't I don't think the drug test tells you how much they have in their system. I mean, I could be wrong. I'm not super familiar with how drug tests work. I haven't taken a lot in my life, but yeah, I don't know. Either way, uh, next story and next thing here, moving on past Spicoli, was Vince McMahon appeared on TSN's Off the Record show in an interview about the Montreal Screwjob. For the first time, McMahon admitted that he lied to Brett about the finish of the match. Vince admitted that he regretted signing Brett to a 20-year contract, saying that he made the mistake. <laughs> don't say. Yeah. He said he made the mistake of listening to people around him at the time who told him that they couldn't let Brett go to WCW. He claimed that Brett breached his contract by refusing to drop the title, and Vince said that he lied to Brett about the planned finish of the match because he worried that Brett wouldn't go to the ring otherwise. Brett denied, or excuse me, Vince denied that Brett Hart is a Canadian hero, which the host disagreed with. And Vince said that since wrestling is scripted, if Brett is a Canadian hero, that's only because Vince made him one. <laughs> Vince also claimed that he allowed Brett to punch him because he basically felt that he, ho- he owed him an explanation and was willing to take it if Brett wanted to hit him. That's a man. As such an effing man. Ah, man. It's just, again, a lot to unpack here. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I really don't know what to say about all this. Um, getting to the, the breach contract and, and all that and lying to Brett. First of all, you and I both, it seems from our reaction, we both kind of agree that's like, yeah, signing someone to a 20-year contract, especially like right here when they're losing to WCW and the ratings wars and all that stuff. Probably wasn't a smart move. Yeah, right. Like, I get why you want to, you know, uh, keep him. But for God's sake, this, like, huh? <laughs> uh, but Good call. And the con- yeah. Uh, the breach of contract thing, I think I can probably guess your reaction. It's probably the same as mine. Like, yeah, you're, you know, telling your boss, I don't want to do what you're telling me to. <laughs> I know I signed your contract and I'm taking your money, but no. I, yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I, I don't agree with any of that. Especially when you get a 20 year deal, too. I mean, that only adds to it. Like, man, this guy has been you for 20 years. Now you're giving him the yeah, finger. I know. It's like, look, I don't want to. So no, thank you. <laughs> I what? I don't know. The, the Undertaker talked about this recently now that he's out doing interviews as Mark Calloway. Finally, he said. You know, looking back on it, he said, I wish they would have, you know, let Brett drop the belt to me and then I would have dropped it to Sean and we could have avoided all of this because the whole thing wasn't necessarily that, you know, it it finally came out. It wasn't that Brett necessarily was like, well, I don't want to drop the belt in Canada. It's I don't want to drop the belt in Canada to Sean. It was Sean dropped or uh, he ended up losing in America, Austin. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he said his thing was because, uh. You know, he told he told Sean, I guess, one time is like, uh, you know, I, I have no, you know, I'll, I'll drop the belt to you and all this other stuff. And he was like, oh, thanks, man. And he's like, I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't do the same for you. 
And apparently that pissed Brett off so bad. And he's like, well, F you. I'm keeping the belt. So oh, we need to meet. This, this whole thing. Are hurt. This whole thing was just so stupid on both guys' parts. Sean couldn't keep his mouth shut and his junk in his pants. And freaking Brett was just. I, you know, I never thought about this until it might have been Conrad had pointed this out the other day. Conrad Thompson, he said, you know, if you listen to, to shoot interviews from people like looking back, everybody seems like, like, ah, yeah, I mean, maybe that wasn't the best thing or ah, I would have changed this if I could go back or whatever. But if you listen to Brett's shoot interviews in retrospect, it's always, oh, this guy did this to me. And oh, this could have been so good if they would have let me do this. And it's like, dude. Can you not ever criticize yourself about anything? Like, everything was always somebody else's fault. <laughs> right. I'm perfect. I never made any mistakes. Well, it sounds like, a, and I'm not going to, I might get grilled online for this, but, you know, don't at me. But it's like, it sounds like a Vince Russo thing. Because if you ever listen wow. to any Russo stuff, Russo never takes responsibility. He's always, well, standards and practices or Jim Cornette or, you know, whoever. It's never him. Nope. But yeah, so this whole thing and the Canadian hero line kind of made me laugh. Like, well, I agree that he's, you know, I say that he's a, a Canadian hero. And this is like, well, I mean, if he is, it's because I scripted him to be one. <laughs> like, Just I like mean, Hogan. Yeah. I mean, I get Vince's point. I mean, yeah. He's Without a WWE, he doesn't have the platform to be a big star. Let's be fair. Yeah. Because he wasn't in Stampede. So right. there's that. Yeah, and I'm not disagreeing with Vince on, on this stuff. I'm just thinking it's like, um, it, like what does it take to be a quote-unquote Canadian hero? Well, you got to play hockey. You have to like red wine, and you have to like snow. And you at some point have had to pet a moose. <laughs> We're in trouble. We're getting a letter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you love maple syrup. Not the fake crap that says imitation on the bottle. No, the real stuff that comes straight out the tree. And bacon is ham. Nothing else. Exactly. Well, what, 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 what is this crispy crap you put on my plate? No, I want Canadian bacon, <laughs> a.k.a. well-cooked ham. <laughs> All right, moving on here before we piss off more people. Uh, there's been a lawsuit going on between the Ultimate Warrior and the WWF over the Warrior likeness. This week, a judge ruled that Warrior is allowed to use the name Warrior and all the characteristics of the character, face paint, armbands, etc., in any marketing ventures. But the judge did not make a decision on Ultimate Warrior, so that one is still off limits and would be forever. So, I mean, the only way the Warrior, that Warrior got around all this was to change his name legally from Jim Helwig to Warrior. Yeah, because that wasn't a, a weird thing to do. <laughs> Yeah, perfectly effing normal, Greg. I don't know what you're getting at, all right? <laughs> That's like uh, Johnny Gargano literally changed his name to rest, his last name wrestling. I yeah. am now Johnny Wrestling. <laughs> that would like, be dude, hilarious. Get at, get that out of your head, dude. Jeez. Or Phil Brooks is now officially CM Punk <laughs> legally. Actually, that one would be sweet. And then, like, AJ Lee would now be uh, AJ Punk. I would yes, laugh. That would, yes, that would be totally sweet. AJ Punk and CM Punk. Like, man, that's a match made in punk heaven. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the rumors of this, the rumors of this was that Warrior wanted all this stuff so he could go to WCW, which he eventually did later this year. But we tried to block all of that out of our minds. Hey, we. 
Oh, well, I, I, I apologize. Do you want to remember that? That uh, crap? You know, I don't even know what to call it. It's just so bad. It was good TV, pal. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, uh, like watching an operation is uh, is good TV. Anyway, Sean Michaels has been diagnosed with having two herniated discs in his lower back. The timing, of course, has people rolling their eyes and saying that it's predictable since he's scheduled to drop the title to Steve Austin at WrestleMania. It comes almost uh, one year to the day of his, quote, lost smile speech, where he vacated the WWF title rather than do a job to Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13. Uh, since that time, Sean has won two more titles and has avoided doing every job in his path along the way. The current back injury stems from a casket match at the Royal Rumble with The Undertaker, where he hit his back on the edge of the casket. You were there for that one as well. I was. Uh, Michaels was given cortisone shots and told to stay bedridden for a week, causing him to miss the No Way Out of Texas pay-per-view. He was replaced in the main event eight-man tag match at the last minute by Savio Vega, and the crowd went mild. <laughs> wow, yeah. Mild, man. That's putting it mildly, no pun intended. Huh? Yeah. Um, my, my favorite phrase, you could have heard a mouse piss on cotton. <laughs> I just like how they were like, our replacement partner, and Savio Vega's music hits, and they're like, I don't yes. even remember who I thought it was going to be. According to Bruce Pritchard, he was like, there was literally no one. Because Conrad Rose. Yeah, because, like, like, there was nobody Savio. to be used. Or, every, I'm sorry, everyone was being used. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, and he was like, well, we wanted a good wrestler, which Savio was. We wanted to get the match in the ring. And uh, there was, I mean, there's nobody else. <laughs> it's like, yeah. look, we just got to bite the bullet and throw him out there. And, you know, and it was in Texas. And obviously, uh, you know, Stone Cold was the Texas guy on the other team. But... Sean was from Texas as well, so they missed out on seeing two of their biggest stars and just got the one. I don't know, but yeah, this was, uh, you you and I were too young at the time, we weren't thinking anything about this crap, but you know, looking back on it, Kevin Nash to this day maintains, oh, he just lost his smile again. I'm like, really? Because he did have major back surgery after this. It's a little bit more than a lost smile, I'd say. He's one to talk. Yeah, I don't know. Like, why, why'd you lose? Oh, I uh, lost my booking privileges. <laughs> wow. John Tenta tried a workout match at the latest WWF tapings using his old Earthquake, Earthquake gimmick, but he lost a lot of weight. Well, he would not come in as Earthquake, but he would get a job. So there's that. Yeah, as what? Talk about it. <laughs> yeah, he put on a mask, wear a Cartman shirt and sweatpants, and call himself Golga in the oddities. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know who that was until like 19 or like 2000 something. <laughs> I really didn't. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it was, uh, <laughs> it was something. I don't really know what else to say about it other than it was something. They got I, South Park over with wrestling fans. Yeah. I mean, he carried around that stuffed Cartman too. What I realized South Park was a big taboo thing at the time, but it's like, it seemed like everybody in WWF was obsessed with Cartman. Because you had the New Age Outlaws coming well, out I think wearing it Cartman was shirts. Brand new. I think they think that everyone jumped right on immediately. To be fair, it's not like it was on for three seasons at that point. I think ninety eight was his first season, so I think people yeah. latched on quickly. Just to be fair, no one's like 
hopping on the latest fad. Yeah. Yeah, and it was all taboo, and I'm sure it was super over with, uh, you know, with all them, or with, you know, with the the fans. <laughs> wow. Uh, but anyway, former WCW star Jacqueline is backstage at Raw and will probably be getting a shot in the WWF. Spoiler, she did. With Marvelous Mark. Yeah. This one, well, don't don't forget she was a she was part of PMS as well, man. Oh man, lest I forget that. Well, yeah. <laughs> she probably uh, did more with that anyway, so. Yeah. Remember, they they were responsible for bringing in the great meat, man. Forgot about that. Yeah. That. Who? Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know where to go with that. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, uh, this next story is back on the um, kind of the Spicoli thing, but it's an ECW story, so I, you know, I left it at uh, at the end here, or you know, towards the end here. Sabu and RVD were shows in Europe this week. Word is Sabu found out about Louis Spicoli's death just as they were leaving Germany, and he was inconsolable and in tears for most of the flight back to the U.S. Oh, oh. man, that one freaking sucks. I can't imagine seeing Sabu. His breakdown crying. I just wow. feel like the way he is on TV, it just looks like he doesn't give a damn about anything. Yeah, uh, just... If anybody read his damn book, you would also think he doesn't give a damn about no. anything. Uh, he definitely doesn't give a damn about, you know, proper grammar and, uh, you know, pronunciation and, uh, you know, spelling and all that stuff. But either way, uh, ECW's upcoming Living Dangerously pay-per-view will feature a pre-taped match between Sabu and Sandman. The reasoning is because the Sabu-Sandman match at November to Remember was widely considered one of the worst matches of the year. So in order to avoid a repeat of that, they will take the match in advance and edit it to make it watchable in the event that it ends up being terrible again. How good is your production? Yeah. Um, are you bringing in, like, the guys who would go on to edit Avengers? Because maybe. Uh ECW will acknowledge that it's pre-taped, and the gimmick is going to be that the pay-per-view censors have forbid them to air the match, but they're going to defy the censors and do it anyway. You know, because oh, they're badasses. Yeah, badasses, Greg. Ah, it, I don't get that one. Look, this was widely considered one of the worst matches of all time. Let's book it again. <laughs> Run it back. Look, I hear Sabu and Sandman, and... I know I'm reaching for my wallet. I mean, to hold on to it, because I don't want to get pickpocketed, not to pay for anything. Why the hell are you even in that building? I'm lost and scared. But moving on to WCW here. This is the... Uh, the this is a story I wanted to talk about, because I saw I was like, holy crap, it happened at this time. Eddie Guerrero went to Eric Bischoff and asked for his release, but Bischoff refused and actually yelled at him, although he later apologized. This was the famous incident where Bischoff allegedly threw his coffee at Guerrero, although Eddie later said that he just knocked it off the desk by accident when he was slamming his fist on the desk while yelling. But he sure made it really dramatic on TV. Yeah, I know. Didn't they make a, an angle out of that in WWE? Uh, he's, I don't think they made an angle. He mentioned it a couple yeah, times. Well, somebody said there was there was a scene where somebody like poured coffee on himself. It was like, I want my release. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell? I don't remember that off the top of my head. Yeah, I got to Must have been a quick one-and-done thing. Yeah, that was a very inside baseball kind of thing, too, because that wasn't like, you know... I mean, if you weren't reading dirt sheets, you didn't know anything about this. But, yeah... Or watching Being the Elite. Oh, 
gosh, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like something that would be on Being the Elite, actually. <laughs> this one, like, Bischoff has come out because, like, Conrad roasted him about it. He's like, can you seriously throw your coffee at Eddie? And he's like, no! <laughs> like, look, I know that Eddie, you know, I, I never heard any stories about, like, Eddie being super unprofessional, like, with management and stuff like that. But, I mean, he's called Latino Heat for a reason. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> I, I I don't see him being cool with Eric Bischoff throwing coffee on him if that actually happened. So I have a feeling that he would have beat the crap out of Bischoff and then got escorted out of the building by security or police, one of the two. Uh, yeah, and, and I can't imagine Bischoff being stupid enough to throw coffee on Eddie. But yeah, obviously, Especially if Eddie, he wasn't going to release him. <laughs> right, yeah. If he was going to do that, I imagine it'd be like a running, like, as he's running by, he flips coffee on him. You're fired! <laughs> and then takes off. Sounds like a bad comedy. Uh, being the elite. Anyway, um, yeah. Eddie obviously wouldn't get released until the end of 99, beginning of, or beginning of 2000, actually. So this was not going to go anywhere. Time All right. I made for a good segment on Nitro. Nowhere. Yeah. All right, man, final story. This one just, I, I have to preface this by, okay, just this one never, was, ever good. <laughs> uh, the thing I said earlier about Spicoli, about the, you know, somebody saying, well, if he was a bigger star, do you think that, I remember that was Shivani that said that. Because I remember Shivani flat out saying this story was complete BS, but <laughs> I've got to read it. This is just absurd on its face. WCW has been doing an angle with referee Nick Patrick trying to get reinstated, and the plan was to bring in one of O.J. Simpson's lawyers on his behalf, either Johnny Cochran or Robert Shapiro. At first, Cochran said that he could not do it, so they went to Shapiro, who agreed. But just a few days before the pay-per-view, he backed out of the deal. Uh, WCW frantically tried to get Cochran back on board, but he said that he would be interested, but he had previous commitments. They couldn't get Clarence Mason? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was all tied up at this time, I guess. Uh, was was Robert Kardashian dead at this point? Because couldn't they get him? I don't know when he died, actually. Yeah, so it's like, what? Uh, like, you go to right to Shapiro, not Kardashian? Like, you know, Ross from Friends pr- played him on TV. <laughs> wow. You brought that up. <laughs> what? Uh he died in 2003, so he was still very much alive here. So, but yeah, I don't know. Tony Schiavone said all this was complete BS. He said there was absolutely no way in hell they would have been talking to Cochran and Shapiro, and they would not have gotten caught with their pants down at this point like this. So I tend to believe, because th- if you ever listen to Tony Schiavone's podcast, that's why he does watch-along forms, because the first couple of podcasts was just him going, uh, I don't recall. <laughs> and Conrad was like, look, I can't have an hour and a half of I don't recall. So let's just do a watch along and you talk about what you're what you're seeing in front of you. Uh, but so when he actually says, I remember this, it didn't happen. Like, you can usually take that to the bank. It's like oxymoronic. I remember this. It didn't happen. <laughs> well, it's like, well, it's more of a, I remember this angle and none of this crap happened in the course of us talking about this angle. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. The, the first, I would say I'm like, did I word that wrong? <laughs> No, you probably didn't. That's probably something you would say. He's an idiot. Shivani? How dare yes. you? How? I've heard him speak on AEW, dude. Yeah. How dare you put down Skivone? Hey, I like him. I think I'm one of the only people in this world besides you that likes him, so. 
Yeah, you and I are good friends of, or good friends. Yeah, I can't imagine being friends with Tony Schiavone. Uh, you and I are big fans of Tony Schiavone, and uh, I, I can't remember the amount of people that I've talked to that were not fans of his. I don't know why. I don't think he's bad. A lot Was of he people, ever the best? Hell no, but he's not bad. A lot of people point to the same thing. I mean, Tony Schiavone himself says this now, that he said he, he can't go back and listen to himself because he said he oversold everything and reused like the same tired lines over oh, and over. He did. Yeah. But that's part of my childhood that I like. So, yeah, I mean, I still get a chuckle every time he says the biggest night in the history of our great sport. He refuses to say that anymore, by the way, Conrad has tried. And he was like, I'm not saying that effing line. He was like, just once. I mean, this actually fits. And he was like, Nope. I'm not going to say it. I made a promise. That's the thing. He, there's a couple moments he could say it would have fit. Just like he bastardized it so much that, you know, it's like, I don't want to hear it again. Yep. Nah, I don't know. But anyway, that is uh, that is it for the news and notes. Uh, I think it's time to take a ne- our next break and move into Super Brawl 8. We'll be right back. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we are back. But before we dive into the event at hand, make sure that you visit unhingedsn.com if you're not already there. And hear us every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, right when AEW Dynamite and NXT kick off uh, on the East Coast, that is. By the way, we also have encore presentations of the show throughout the week. If you miss it, the next time you can catch us, by the way, if you're listening to us on Wednesday, is 7.30 p.m. tomorrow Eastern Time. And kids, you don't even need your parents' permission. Exactly. Just go to unhingedsn.com. No per, uh, parent permission required. And we keep it clean on this show, Greg. We only talk about death, sex, and drugs, you know, in a in a news form. Oh, my God. We <laughs> do. <laughs> I mean, we're not being filthy about it. God dang it. That's good crap, Poe. You know what I think? Uh, you know, we, we always joke you about think? how— Wow. We always joke about how god-awful Tony Khan is on camera and everything. I think it would be hilarious if, uh, you know, he he mocks Vince McMahon, but but he keeps it more PG, and he's like, well, that's good content, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I would give that man any more ideas. Oh, man. I would bust a gut laughing. All right, but uh, WCW Super Brawl 8 took place February 22nd, 1998. Tagline was Hogan versus Sting 2 for championship. Not the championship, just for championship. So, yeah, because it give you any any of the titles, pal. Yeah, uh, they might be. Yeah, I mean, they might be going for the TV title. You don't know. 
Uh, the venue is Cow yeah, Palace. We all know that Hogan was a great TV champion. <laughs> yeah, he rubs that Fu Manchu TV title works for me, brother. Despite being never being on TV, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the venue was Cow Palace in San Francisco, California, IA. The attendance was 12,620, and the pay-per-view buy rate was 1.1. That account, or that uh, was 399,415 buys. So, Not bad. Good, yeah, good amount of uh, pay-per-view buys there. Uh, you know, WWE has single-handedly made sure that nobody will ever buy pay-per-view ever again. <laughs> you know, moving forward, you just get your uh, streaming membership to, uh, well, it was soon to be Peacock, and there you go. Which, by the way, be getting it for free. Yeah, screw you. Which, by the way, uh, we did a YouTube video talking about all that. If anybody wants all the details on it, uh, it's, it's on our YouTube channel about the whole Peacock deal and anything that you as a consumer might actually need to know. And if you're on Peacock, by the way, there's a lot of content on there now from WWE Network, so it's migrating over quickly. Yep, uh, March 18th is when it launches, everybody, so quickly approaching. The opening package just lets us know that this entire event is building up to Sting vs. Hogan 2, as it should be. And uh, there's else matters. <laughs> uh, there's a mark with the look, bro, wearing a lucha mask, sitting on hard cam, like, all night. And he doesn't move an inch all effing night. He doesn't clap. You found me! <laughs> wow. I, did, did you catch this guy? Um, It's been a while since I watched his back. I, kinda, I didn't all watch it back because I feel like I didn't need to because I've seen it a bunch of times, like obviously live and after that. Right. So, yeah. To me, I was thinking, is that a chibi evil Uno? <laughs> this guy was wearing like a weird green lucha mask. And you remember that guy I sat next to in Brooklyn that was rather large, sitting alone, and he just golf clapped like twice throughout the show? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this guy looked like that. But he didn't even golf clap. He just sat there with his arms folded over his belly the whole time. I'm like, why are you here? This is all you got. <laughs> yeah. And he, we didn't have cell phones back then. So, you know, he was probably like taking mental notes. I'm going to go back and send a report to Dave Meltzer via email. <laughs> Get on my Yahoo and send him an email <laughs> saying, <laughs> worst show ever. I was going to say, dude, this is in um, San Francisco. There's a good chance Dave was there. Yeah, he very well might have been. I didn't even think about that because he lives in San Jose. For people who don't know, yeah, right down the road from you. Why? Why not you gone to visit? Yeah, we pee together. <laughs> That's good enough. <laughs> no, people are gonna hear that and be like, "What the hell?" He was on a shark's game. Next to him in the urinal was uh, a different urinal. I hope was Steve Meltzer. So, but anyway, this first match of the night was. Up, <laughs> it was uh, Rick Martel defending the WCW World Television title against Booker T. This was just shy of ten and a half minutes. Booker T wins when Martel comes off the ropes and gets caught with a Harlem sidekick for the pin. Martel off actually suffered a torn knee ligament during the match when he hit his legs on the rope after a hip toss from Booker T. And I think there was another move, too, that made it worse. Martel was originally booked to win the match. But they improvised after the injury due to the next match also being for the title. So yeah. Booker T was not expected to be out there this long. But crap happens, pal. And wasn't this the end of Martel's career? Uh, at least in WCW, I believe. Yeah, I don't think he went anywhere else. I think he just like he was like, damn, got an injury. All right. Um, bye. It's been fun. 
and he and then he went to uh, I, I assume he made a lot of money in uh, real estate. So why is that a thing, by the way? You leave wrestling, you go into real estate. Must just be easy transition. <laughs> Although in the case of Rick Steiner, I guess he joined the school board. <laughs> Didn't he get thrown off too for lying about his last name? No, I don't know. His last name is actually Rick Steiner. That's where they get Rick Steiner from. Like, oh, I'll take your last name and split it in half. But Uncle Dave gave this two and three four stars. I gave it two and a half for average. What say you? I gave it two. Did you like it? it not was, like it? It was okay. Yeah, I don't think it was like. I don't even remember when Martell got hurt, though. No, I couldn't. Like, because I wasn't if you go back and watch it. it, he did not look hurt. No, he, I mean, to his credit, he and he was always a great wrestler. Former AWA world champion, I believe. Uh, I know he was a big deal up in AWA. And he was the model, obviously, in WWE. I don't yeah, know. I, he was a model. He had a pin that said it. <laughs> and he carried around that uh, that giant freaking thing. Arrogance. Like was, yeah, like he was uh, Gorgeous George 2.0. Yeah, but, he wishes. <laughs> wow. After the match, Saturn runs in. He throws Martel outside. He then locks in the rings of Saturn on Booker T, but the referee makes him break it so they can officially begin the match. This next one is Booker T defending the television title against Saturn. He's no, I don't think he's Perry Saturn anymore. He's just Saturn. Uh, this was before Vince made it cool to do that. <laughs> this went for 14 minutes, 23 seconds. In the end, Booker T ends up retaining the title with another Harlem sidekick into a pin. Uncle Dave gave this one and one, uh, yeah, one and one fourth stars. I gave it two stars. What say you? I gave it two, but honestly, it was a little better than the last one. It was okay. I thought uh, my problem with it was, and I know why it made sense logically because Booker just had that match. But I mean, most of this match was just Saturn beating up Booker T. <laughs> and then Booker T makes a comeback. It's Harlem sidekick. Boom, he wins. I will say the craziest move of the match, I thought, was Saturn did the Vader bomb to the outside. Yeah, uh, that was, you know, he was doing that eventually uh, with the elbow, with the elbow instead of a splash, too. Yeah. Who else did that? Who did that in WWE? No, I, I someone, don't, I don't remember, but. Someone did that. It was like, man, how did you not give yourself, like, serious injuries after a while and mess up your knees? <laughs> But either way, yeah, so uh, our, this next match was, I don't know why this was on the card, but here we are. It's La Parca versus Disco Inferno. <laughs> it went for 11 <sighs> minutes, 41 seconds. I remember watching this, and we're like, man, this match is still going. <laughs> it was that bad. I think this is like the first time I ever had a wrestling event I got bored. I will preface this by saying I don't think the sh- the match was bad. I just didn't care about it. So I mean, if you know, you know what I mean. I do, and like if it was for a title, which I don't know why the hell it would be, it might have made more <laughs> sense. Uh, yeah. Well, Mike Tanay calls a tope suicida, and Bobby Heenan asks if you get that with chips and salsa. <laughs> <laughs> and Tony Schiavone was like, "And you're done." <laughs> Disco Inferno throws Laparca off the middle rope, face first into an open chair in the center of the ring because Laparca set it up before he hits the chart buster, which was the stunner for the win. Chart the- oh man, this, this disco music breaking chart. 
he said uh, he said he actually had to stop doing that move. And he what was the next one? Like his his finisher after that, the last dance. Was, uh, was it the reawakening? I don't remember. I mean, I can't remember what his finisher was. I just I remember he said he he specifically said he had to stop doing the chart buster. He was told by Bischoff because they were going to they were going to let uh, Beefcake start doing it. Oh, yeah, the apocalypse. Oh, yeah. That was way better. <laughs> when he was the disciple. <laughs> Man. Anyway, uh, Uncle Dave gave this two and one-fourth stars. I gave it two stars for slightly below average. What say you? I gave it a whole star. I would have given it two and a half stars at least if it meant anything whatsoever. But again, it didn't, so I didn't care. You gotta make me care. I pal. will say this, man. People were going crazy for his entrance. Disco? Yeah, people like literally were dancing all over the damn cow palace for it. <laughs> uh, wow, really? Really? Uh, well, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, I did notice the crowd was like getting into it, and I was like, huh. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know why people love that okay. music. I mean, I admit, as a, I mean, I was like seven, but <laughs> when I was a kid. Uh, whenever he came out, I was like, hell yeah, Disco Inferno. And I'd dance or whatever. I'm, you know, watching like WCW Saturday night or something. But again, I was seven. So put that into perspective. Meiji Nokalin is interviewing the chairman of the WCW executive committee. Excuse me, Mouthful. he was just in the ring. Yeah, that, that's a different chairman. <laughs> he, This one is the chairman of the executive committee, J.J. Uh, Dillon about uh, whether Dylan will or will not reinstate referee Nick Patrick after the quote-unquote fast count that wasn't a fast count at Starcade. This whole thing made no sense. (laughs) Yeah. Well, J.J. calls out Patrick to let him know that they reviewed the tape, and he's got his job back, and Nick talks about officiating the main event right down the middle, and Dylan says he will not be repping the main event, uh, we already drew straws, and it will go to Charles Robinson, and he leaves. And uh, Patrick is not very happy about this. He says that being the head official in WCW, he should be roughing the main event, and he wants his back pay. It took them two months to realize that he didn't pass count, by the way. Yeah, I know. This is the one thing... We've made it known we are not a fan of any, you know, most things. I'd say 99% of what Dave Meltzer says. But he was saying this whole thing was just stupid and it made one bit of sense because it's like, so they didn't have a plan for this. J.J. Dillon just came out and was like, hey, you remember that ruling I made? Uh, never, never mind. mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so basically J.J. Dillon looks like an idiot and Nick Patrick is a sympathetic babyface at this point. It's like, wait a minute. Why did Bret Hart beat him up? Why did you fire him? And why did you withhold his pay? Oh, uh, reasons. By definition, Bret should have been fired. Right? He touched, he laid his hand on an official. God dang it. And that was his, like, second night in the company or whatever. All right. Uh, anyway, somebody who talked about, you know, wow, you stuck around for a long-ass time. It's Brad Armstrong versus Bill Goldberg <laughs> in two minutes, 23 uh, seconds. Uh, first thing I remember for this, when we were watching it, we heard Brad, we heard the, the famous Armstrong music. And so we're, like, oh, we're like, the other guy's winning. <laughs> Good Lord. I remember that so specifically. Like, it was this one, the other guy. 
Well, and then you hear Goldberg's music, and you're like, ah, oh, this is a quick one. <laughs> yeah, just like this I feel was... like this match was like ten seconds. Yeah. Well, keep in mind, everybody, this was how. First of all, how long had Goldberg been in the company? A month. September. <clears throat> oh, since so September. Okay. So he hadn't been in the company long. He was doing his winning streak thing. He still kind of sucked. And Brad Armstrong was a great hand. Everybody said he was a great wrestler. He just, like, his personality was just like, eh. Apparently he had tons of personality and very likable backstage. But once that red light came on, he was like, so, I forgot what to do. <laughs> yeah. Which is why he yeah, had a million and a half gimmicks. <laughs> right. He comes from one of the most, like, the biggest, most charismatic names of, like, the Southern Indies, or uh, Southern Territory days. And... That's not name on Eric. Yeah. And he just is there. I don't know. Brad Armstrong was the perennial jobber that's, that had a job forever in WCW. Scott was... was Yeah, Scott was the ref, right? Or is the ref? Yeah, is the ref, yeah. Okay. And then Steve, I think, passed away, but he was like one half of the, the Southern Boys. It's the only thing I remember him from. And then Brian is obviously the road dog, so... Nobody really talks about that family a whole lot when they talk about, like, wrestling dynasties, but... You just probably, call the Armstrongs a wrestling dynasty. Oh, my God. Say, it's probably oh my because God. Of, it's probably because of all the descriptions I just gave for every <laughs> member of the family. So That's not a dynasty, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was a wrestling family. I don't know. But anyway, uh, Brad was clearly thrown in here just to make Goldberg look less green. You know, Greenberg. Uh, because Goldberg is still very much a rookie. Goldberg wins with a spear and a jackhammer. You know, go figure. Uh, Uncle Dave and I both gave it one star because it was there yeah uh, what's how, do you, you? how do you give it any more than that <laughs> yeah i know uh goldberg tries with his heel hook at one point is like rolling through heel hook and damn near lands on his own head so that was something <laughs> it just he got better yeah goldberg who by the way uh just wrestled in the opening match of the royal rumble this you know uh just a few weeks ago as the posting of this uh, did you notice him limping, by the way? No. Yeah, when he walked to the ring, I was like, something's off. He's, like, limping. Like, not, like, hardcore limping, but you could tell, like, I was like, did he pull a muscle or something? And then at the end, he looked like he was, like, beat to hell. But I, all in all, I, I liked it for what it was. But anyway. Uh, moving from the big guy to the little guys here. We got Chris Jericho defending the cruiserweight title in a mask versus title match against Juventud Guerrera. This went for 13 and a half minutes. Chris Jericho refuses to take off the cruiserweight title to begin the match, so he wrestles with it on until Hoovy does a spin kick to the belt and, and knocks it right into his gut, and he's like, okay, I'll take it off. Yeah. Um, I remember we all thought that Juventud was going to win. It's like, he's not losing his mask. I, if anything, of, of all the matches this night, I thought this was the one that was in the bag. <laughs> How wrong <Yeah>. was I? <laughs> I mean, so. it looked very obvious because, I mean, right here, Juventud hits a 450. He pins him. He thinks he won. And the bell actually rang prematurely, but Jericho had grabbed the bottom rope. so And the referee did see it, and he waved it off. He's like, whoa, whoa, that's, that's not the end. So they wrestled for a bit longer before... Jericho turns a Hurricane Rana attempt into a Lion Tamer for the submission victory. Uncle Dave gave this three and three-fourths stars. 
I gave it three stars. What say you? I gave it three as well. I mean, Hooven 2 was the best wrestler in the world at this point, right? <laughs> We're getting to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, I mean, this was really good, but I, I almost gave it four stars, but I couldn't because, I mean, it was a little clunky at times. Like, you could tell, like, Hooven 2 was really good, but there were a few spots Hooven where I'm just like... was on the juice, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, there were a few, I mean, and you could see this, you know, the more people talk about it, he's like, oh, he's kind of clumsy. It's like, yes, he did a few moves where I'm like, my God, you almost killed yourself and Jericho. But all in all, it was very entertaining. I really love it, especially like the second half of the match. I thought it really got going. It was very good. Supposedly, this happened because, you know, Bischoff was just on a warpath to get everybody's mask. And Rey Mysterio had... Uh, Fought him and won to keep his mask. So he's like, fine, I can't get yours. Hoovy, you're going maskless. <laughs> uh, spoiler, he would get raised at this very event the next year. Oh, I know. Uh, Jericho gets on the mic after the match, and he says he's still the champ thanks to all the Jericho-holics, and he dedicates this win to them. Uh, Jericho then keeps calling Hoovy uh, quasi-juice, and, uh, you know, in reference to quasi-moto, obviously. Uh, yeah, because so, clearly Hoobintude had a huge hump on his back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, and he kept talking about how ugly he was under the mask and everything. Hoobie finally gets the mask unlaced, and Jericho comes up and just rips the mask off and takes off with it. And uh, Hoobie, like, keeps... <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's ugly, look at that horrible face! Like, <laughs> like what the hell's wrong with his face? Seriously! I'm mean, looking at like, what am I missing here? <laughs> yeah, and he's... And then you look at him, and you're like, my God, like, just like when Ray unmasks, it's like, that's one of the most handsome men on the entire roster. And he's wearing a mask. <laughs> look at this, look at this, uh, what, you, this uh, what, what was the word he used for it? Oh, I don't know. I, I remember he just kept calling him quasi-juice and, <laughs> and Hoovimoto and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, so he's like legit, Hoovy is legit crying. I, I will say, I don't know if you remember your initial reaction. The crowd seemed kind of dead and a little deflated. Um, I I remember I kind of was, but not like for that reason. More like, wow, he really took his mask off because it was like a spectacle to me. I'd never seen it, like even on TV. Yeah. So like to be there watching it live, I'm like, wow, he really took his mask off. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, was... that was my thing. I don't know if everyone else was like that, too. But yeah, I was kind of like in shock. They did this like, with even though he lost, it's like he's probably gonna run, right? Or he's gonna take the mask off, but the hair's gonna be in his face, so we're never gonna see it, right? Like he technically yeah. mask. I'm all thinking of all the loopholes he's gonna get around it. And he did keep his hair in his face, like for the most part, um, for most of it. He he was crying. He looked at the camera and he said, "I love you." He's talking to his family. Uh, supposedly, he was very pissed off about this because his dad, for anybody that knows anything about Mexican wrestling. Uh, was uh, Fuerza Guerrera that wrestled with a similar mask for years. So it was like it was passed down to him. And this was like really upsetting for Hoovy to have to take the mask off. But he didn't have the leverage to uh, tell Bischoff no, like Ray did. I just like both years in a row that they did that, by the way. The the guy that beat him acts like, oh, he's hideous. <laughs> Do you remember Matt? And like when, when Ray unmasked Nash was like, whoa, put back yep. on. That's still one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> he's like laughing. He's like, put it back on. Do you remember when um, 
when uh, Psychosis unmasked at One Night Stand and the fans are telling him to put his mask on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't remember that. The first okay. time One Night Stand. Was it the first one? Yeah, it was him and Ray, right? Uh, yeah, it was him and Ray. And then yeah. he took his he, just, he just took his mask off, like, purposely. <laughs> and then, like, wow. put your mask on. <laughs> Good grief. And uh, not to... Uh, okay, I'm going to bury him. I, sorry. But, you know, we just talked about, you know, Hoobie and Ray were, you know, like, handsome men who it's like, ah, whatever, you don't need a mask. But with psychosis, it's like, mm, yeah, I mean, he probably look better with a mask on. Leave he me was... alone. <laughs> Alberto was another one. It's like, dude, you didn't need a mask. I mean, he's a, he's, he's a handsome man. But next we get into something that was uh, bowling shoe ugly. It was Steve Mongo McMichael taking on the British Bulldog, six minutes, ten seconds. This was what we were talking about when we reviewed Bulldog's debut in WCW on the Super Brawl 3, oddly enough, five years before this. He uh, he came out to some random rock music, but here he's actually coming out to uh, his, you know, the the British Old National Britannia, Anthem. Britannia, I believe it's called. Yeah, that. So he got his music back. I, I don't know why they didn't do it in 93, but whatever. Uh, the Bulldog works on Mongo's arm for quite a while before eventually locking in the Fujiwara armbar for the win, even though no one saw Mongo give up. Mongo legitimately... This this was another one that Shivani laughed at, because the, the report says Mongo legitimately suffered a broken arm during the course of the match, <laughs> to which Shivani said, Ha! False! It was already broken. <laughs> yep. not, I did not know that. Apparently he went into this match with a broken wrist. Uh, Uncle Dave gave this a dud. I give it one and a half stars. What say you? God, this sucked. One. <laughs> what do you mean? It's Mongo. When I was a kid, I would hold all my piss because I didn't want to miss the minute of the action. <laughs> if I'd watched this now, this would have been my piss break match, even before it started. Just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> you hear Mongo's music and you're like, I'll be back. Yep. <laughs> Uh, well, after the match, Mongo yells at the referee and shoves him down, saying that he never quit. But yeah. the referee apparently called for the bell and ended the match because he saw Mongo was hurt and he didn't want it to lead to further injury and blah, blah, blah. Huh, so that's that. Moving on. Uh, we Keep get... it moving here. Roll time. <laughs> I haven't said it all podcast. Sorry. Good grief. <laughs> uh, up next, we get for the United States heavyweight title. It's Diamond Dallas Page defending the title against Chris Benoit. Diamond Dallas, white trash. Gosh. This one went for uh, just shy of 16 minutes. The ending saw DDP reverse a backslide, flipping Benoit over his back onto his feet, and then he nails the diamond cutter, the pinfall win. Uncle Dave gave this three and a four stars. This is the second match of the night I gave three stars to. What say you? Same. Really good. I maybe, assume you were going nuts in the maybe crowd. The, maybe the match of the night. Oh yeah, definitely. I was I was all in on I was hashtag all in on DDP at this point. Maybe the best match of the night though. Yeah, this was yeah. very very good. Uh, definitely an enjoyable watch. And this is before show. we knew how good Ben Wall really was. At least me. Yeah. So, like, ben I I really believe if you, look, big boys. if you look up and down like the rosters of all the guys who were consistently on TV, so that takes a few guys out. Yeah. DDP was probably one of the best in the entire world at this point. Oh, for sure. And that, at least at least of guys who were always on TV. Well, and uh, Conrad Thompson put over the fact that he's like, you know, in, there were two moves 
in 97 and 98 that, you know, the crowd just went absolutely nuts for. And he just, it was a quick hit. It was similar. You know, there was the Stone Cold Stunner in WWF and the Diamond Cutter in WCW. You know, they, they waited all match. We were chanting Diamond Cutter all, all match, too. I don't know how they came off on TV. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, that, that happened a lot back then, too. I mean, it was probably the most, I mean, right up there with Stone Cold Stunner, maybe even more so. It was the most over move in all of wrestling. And he wasn't even the world champ. And it's for stuff like this, because after and he the match, he would be for a year, right? And after the match, DDP runs through the crowd, celebrating his win with the people. He did it for the Rock. He did it for the people. Remember, he was the original People's Champ. The Rock stole that. That's proof, in fact. Yep. And he wanted to do a feud with the Rock when he came into WWE, and they said, "Nah, you're gonna be the stalker for the Undertaker's wife." So instead of the people's champ, they went move for move with Booker. So just yeah, <laughs> I guess so. I mean, it's not bad. Yeah, and I mean, it's not usually considered a downgrade when you have to work with the Undertaker, but the fact that that feud was based around DDP was stalking his wife. <laughs> just okay. Uh, commentary explains that the jackknife powerbomb has been banned by J.J. Dillon after Nash dropped the giant <laughs> on his he- on his neck yeah. with the move. We then get highlights of the giant chokeslamming the piss out of everyone and then colliding with Nash before getting powerbombed on his neck and shoulders. Looking back at that, like as a kid, I'm like, oh, my gosh, he dropped him on his head. But if you look at it, I mean, it's still dangerous and scary given his size, even if he was a smaller guy, but especially given his size. Uh, but I mean, he, he landed mostly on his shoulders, I think. So I think that's what saved him. Yep. So, but I remember this whole storyline because I remember they were like, well, it's banned. You can't do it. And they started arresting Nash every time he hit a jackknife. I remember when they arrested him, dragged him out of the arena and he was yelling Attica. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> it was on Nitro. No, I, what was Attica? I think it was a movie and they're arresting some guy or something. Oh, but like, I just thought it was funny he was yelling Attica. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I remember that. And I was like, I was pissed because I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so stupid. Like, it's been going on for a while now. Because at first they would, they would fine him. And like, he would just like, he would hit the jackknife and then he'd pull money out of his pocket and throw it at him. And then they started, they're like, all right, now you're just going to get arrested. Uh, so that started happening. But somebody brought up the point. Now, I guess Nash complained about this. He's like, okay, we're trying to get over that the power bomb is banned, right? Like, is it's too dangerous? Well, cruiserweights are doing variations of the power bomb during their match. Yeah, Why am I right. the only one getting fined? I remember that. Yeah, that is pretty stupid, I will say. Somebody should have been like, hey, nobody does the effing power bomb, all right? Just quit it. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I can't believe, you know, you, you called Match of the Night a little too early because right now. Oh, shut up. It's the Macho Man, Randy Savage, take with Miss Elizabeth in his corner. He's taking on Lex Luger in a no-disqualification match. First of all, thinking about this, uh, well, this one went for about seven and a half minutes. Three, uh, two out of three of these people are dead, and all three of them had uh, a lot of connecting things with Miss Elizabeth. <sighs> Sad to think about. And isn't Luger in a wheelchair or something? I think he can walk now. I think he's relegated to it, but I think he, yeah. 
He was definitely in a wheelchair when I met him at WrestleCon. Of all he's the very people, frail too, man. Like shaking his hand, like it just I felt like I was gonna crush it if I squeezed. He's very frail and it's it's so so sad. It's so weird to think about because I mean, you know, god dang it, just look at him here. You know, he, he, was, he was vascular. Yeah, he was giant. He was ripped and shredded and just tan and you know, he was ready for the main event of Starcade, man. That's all I gotta say. But Luger comes out with his ribs taped up. When he finally gets Savage up for the torture rack, Liz comes in and rakes his eyes. Luger manages to rack Savage again, and Savage apparently submits, but the camera misses the entire finish, so I didn't see any of it. <laughs> I do remember watching this back and seeing that. Uh, yeah, because I was like, yeah. wait a minute, why is the bell ringing? It's like, because at first they ring the bell by accident, because the NWO gets involved, and they ring the bell like it's a disqualification, but it's no DQ. So he racks him again, and he gives up really quickly, and then they ring the bell again. Were you confused in the crowd? No, because we, we saw it. Oh, okay. Well, well, because like I said, they ring the bell by accident when the NWO interferes, and then he yeah, racks him. Yeah, but here's him, the thing. Gives... Here's the thing. If you watch Nitro back then, they rang that bell for like 10 minutes straight every single time there was an interference, so it all ran together. Nah. Uh, yeah, this – uh. Well, let's get to the ratings. Uncle Dave gave this three and a fourth. There are three fourths of a star. I gave it two stars. Let's say you. I uh, I was torn between one and two. I'll go two because I was a little entertained. Yeah, I was definitely entertained by it. I, you and I like Luger. Uh, I've always liked Macho Man. I mean, who doesn't? I thought it was fine. I just thought the ending was such a cluster, man. Yeah, but again, was there anything new? No, that's the sad part. Because after the match, the NWO hits the ring, the B team, by the way, hits the ring (laughs) to fight with both men. Because even though Macho Man is wearing white and black and he's coming out to the NWO theme, he is officially no longer a part of the NWO. So, you know, that's not confusing. (laughs) Yeah, that's not confusing at all. But Hollywood Hogan finally comes out to order the B team to retreat. And uh, he... This was during, I forgot to put this in the course of the match. He tells me, he's like, come on. And that's when Luger racks him and he taps and he yells that Macho Man isn't family anymore. And he's like, I'm glad he got beat. <laughs> like, cool, I guess. I, I don't know. This is I just, like the whole thing at this point, too, when they're getting ready to split and become two. Yeah. It's I, just, I find it funny, though, that Nash is the one who has the face group and he just broke a man's neck. <laughs> I just. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently, they split for, like, they legit split backstage, too, because I guess there was um, something that happened. Oh, uh, they were at a restaurant, and they were arguing loudly with one another, so this wasn't even, like, rumors. Like, people heard them, like, arguing in the restaurant. Because no Hogan innuendo. Was, <laughs> well, Hogan was fighting with the outsiders because he was like, He's like, I'm trying to get real heel heat out there. And you guys are, oh, it's survey time. And the crowd to go with you. He's like, stop it. They're like, you don't get it. We're cool heels. We get, you know, the crowd is like taboo to like us, you know. And he's like, well, I'm trying to get booze. And you're getting cheered. This is screwing the whole thing up. So finally, they got tired of fighting with him. And they were like, fine, we'll go off and do our own thing. So, I don't know. Looking back, I mean, I didn't even think about that as a kid. I didn't either. But, I mean, I see Hogan's point where he's like, I'm trying to get booze, and you guys are out here getting the crowd to, you know, quote you and everything. So, But at the same time, I mean, as a kid, I loved it. So, 
But this next match, oh, by the way, I have a um, an old WCW figure of Macho Man in this attire. And one of those uh, brawling buddies. You remember That's, those? Yeah. I have so many Macho Mans, but I do not have a black and white one, believe it or not. Oh, you didn't get the one from uh, Mattel? I thought they dropped one with him in that attire. Uh, they did. They dropped that one and uh, his very last WCW look, but I never found him. I have that one, the last one, where he's in the the um, like the leather uh, hat, whatever, and he's got the uh, he's got like the shirt with the big silver star on it and everything. Yeah, I I actually love that one. Uh, I I remember specifically I was talking to you when they dropped that figure in the black and white, and uh, you're like, oh, you're definitely getting that right now. I was like, uh, I I don't know if I am or not. And you're like, oh, fail, and I'm like, I already have it. <laughs> Like tell me see that, and you're like, oh, all right, well then that's fine. <laughs> I should have told you to get it for me. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's back when it was easy to find figs. <laughs> I know. Now I walk into Walmart and I'm like, oh, you have one basic John Cena on the shelf. Cool. <laughs> yeah, when me and my buddy go out fig hunting, I'm like, at this point, I'm like, let's just skip Walmart. It's the same in Target for me. Like all of my stores are completely wiped out. I sent you that picture of Target where not one yeah. single figure was on the shelf. Yep. I don't know. It's February. What the F? But anyway, uh, this next match is a second to last one of the night. It's the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott. They have Ted DiBiase in their corner. They are defending the WCW World Tag Team titles against the Outsiders, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, with Dusty Rhodes in the Acona, baby. Him and that... Newly healed Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> him and that large red leather jacket. <laughs> I'm like, first of all, where do you happen to find a red leather jacket? Second of all... Well, you know, the you... red cows. Who well, knows that? <laughs> well, second of all, how did you find one in that size? <laughs> it's just... Whatever. But yeah, he wore sells weird things, dude. What can I say? Yeah. I, I could just imagine, like, he goes up, he's like, look what I found today, baby, when you're looking around San Francisco. And they're like, you should totally wear that out there. <laughs> I think it's going to be my signature look. And they're like, oh, for sure. Like, give them the thumbs up. He should have been wearing that while managing his son at the time, the artist formerly known as Gold Dust. Imagine that duo when he's wearing that. Good grief. He should be wearing that and and Gold Dust's baby New Year. Oh, man. My God. Because of money, he would draw. Yeah, right. But anyway, this one went for four minutes and 16 seconds. You'll see why. (sighs) The crowd did the whole. Was it that short? It was, yeah, from bell to bell. Not even five minutes. But the crowd obviously did the whole hey-yo and it's survey time and everything. Oh, yeah, we ate that up. Oh, I bet you did. I mean, that was over like hell back then. And I think this was during the time when Hall was starting to like tease hey-yo and like not actually like just drop it right away. So he'd like get the crowd all whipped up. Uh, Scott Steiner seems pretty tentative throughout their entrance. This was apparently after, like, uh, on a previous week on Nitro, Scott wrestled the whole match and refused to tag in Rick. Yeah, you knew it was coming, by the way. Yeah. Well, Rick starts the match, clears the ring, and then they do their signature spot where Scott comes in, Rick runs around barking, and then he crawls between his legs on all fours, and Scott gives him a wink, a nod, and then just pounds the piss out of Rick, knocks him down. And he gives him a double underhook suplex, punches DiBiase off the apron, and then he lets the Outsiders take care of Rick. Hall drops uh, Rick Steiner with the Outsider's Edge. They get the win. 
Uncle Dave gave this one and a four star. I gave it one star because, I mean, strictly on match quality, it was what it was. What say you? Uh, one star, and I'm even hesitant to call it a match. Yeah, right. Like I said, less than five minutes. This was... I mean, yeah. The moment was huge, though. Even though I feel did, like we all saw it coming. But... Did you uh, did you react big when, when it happened? Yeah, I was kind of pissed. <laughs> I mean, I like, I like the Steiners, so... Looking yeah. back at it, though, I'm like, man, you should have just like, whipped out an Ohio State shirt or something. You know, that's how big it was. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that would have been funny. Like, after Rick's, like, laid out in the ring, he pulls out an OSU shirt and just drapes it over him. <laughs> so, was it the next night on Nitro when he's the big, big bad booty daddy? No, nah, it comes, like, a couple of weeks after. It's pretty close. Okay. Because I remember when he made his debut... As Big Bad Booty Daddy, I don't remember, like, the, you know, the week and the time or whatever. I just remember, like, reactions. I was watching with my dad, who was a, also a Steiners fan. And when Scott came out for the first time, my dad was like, what the <laughs> happened to Scott Steiner? <laughs> He's like, he looks like a freak. And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> so that's a gimmick, pal. After the match, Scott Steiner shakes hands with the Outsiders and get, hands him the, ta- the tag titles before throwing the referee out of the ring for whatever reason. Bad night for that guy, by the way. Because everybody had to join the NWO at this point. <laughs> yep. I did feel that this was the beginning of, like, I, I would, as much as I love the Steiners, I feel like Scott could have been a big single star even before this. So, I don't know. I, I liked, I don't know, I, I don't think you liked uh, uh, Big Papa Pump as much as I did. I never liked him, honestly. Okay, well, I was a fan. I don't know. I I I dug what he did, but either way, uh, before the main event, we get the dumbest commercial for the dumbest pay per view, NW- WCW NWO uncensored. Do you remember this commercial? Um, no. Whole thing sucked. <laughs> if anybody wants to go back and look it up, I'm sure it's on YouTube. It's on the network. It's just like, why was this supposed to make me want to pay for this garbage? It was horrible. Even Shivani was saying every was like, every censor was horrible. Yeah, I know, but it's like at least make the commercial seem decent. Like to, Shivani was saying, he's like, if we had anybody who gave a damn about commercials and production back then, this thing never would have made air. But anyway, we're gonna take our second to last break. When we come back, it is the main event. What we're all here to talk about is Hollywood Hogan and Sting. Right after this. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. <laughs> the perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. 
The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we are back. Time to dive into the main event. It's Hollywood Hogan versus Sting for the vacant WCW World Heavyweight title. 16 and a half minutes. Sting starts off by sprinting to the ring. The bell sounds and Hogan starts whipping Sting with his weight belt and choking him with it. Because apparently DQs don't matter. He also, by the way, uses a chair about nine minutes in. And the referee just warns him, hey, oh, hey, no chairs. <laughs> that was, just so you know. Yeah, it's like, hey, I know you used your weight belt. I know you choked a man, uh, you know, and, and you've already used a chair, but it, don't do it again. I'm like, oh, well, excuse the out of me. Uh, Hogan controls the majority of this one. When Charles Robinson checks on Hogan in the corner, Hogan pulls him in front of a stinger splash. Hogan then hits the leg drop while Nick Patrick comes down, and he only counts to two. Hogan goes off on Patrick for letting him che- for not letting him cheat and not counting fast. He's like, "Hey, oh, it's me, brother." <laughs> like, yeah. like, like Patrick is like, you know, in a state of like, you know, psychosis or whatever. He's like, "Oh, Hulk, is that you?" Oh, sorry, I didn't count fast. <laughs> I'm supposed to count fast this time, right? Huh. Yeah, it's like, well, it, wait, next time, right? I, I, I promise. <laughs> But uh, Patrick doesn't disqualify Hogan for a low blow. However, I think he was out of position or something like that was the excuse. Sting finally hits the Stinger splash and a Scorpion death drop. But as Hogan's going down, somehow he kicks Patrick. I think he kicked him in the nards, if I remember correctly. Uh, But this allows the NWO to run in and Sting takes them all out. Okay, I missed this because to me... It looked like Savage just like slipped in the ring and then like put the put the spray paint can down and then slid out. But did he hit Hogan with it? I think he meant to. Okay, because it looked like he just like slid in. He was like, here's a spray paint, and then he left. I'm like, cool. I guess now I thought they're all broken up. I thought. Yeah, I think he was doing it for Sting. Cause I don't know, cause he just like drops it and then leaves. I don't, I don't know. I could be wrong, but. Anyway, uh, Sting pins Hogan, and he wins the world title. Uh, Look, this match wasn't, you know, quality-wise, like just pure wrestling. It wasn't the greatest, but frickin' Dave gave it a half a damn. I at least gave it two stars. What say you? I gave it two. I was more into, like, what was going to happen at the end of the match, to be honest with you. I was, I for one was disappointed that Sting didn't look directly into the camera and say, Mamacita! Wow. <laughs> what? Repeat Why you got to bring that back up? Because, man, he didn't say a word for a year. First thing he does, look in the camera. Mama <laughs> <laughs> But after the match, Sting grabs a spray paint and he Is paints. Is his wife Mexican? <laughs> Not that I know of. But Sting spray paints WCW on Hulk Hogan's chest and stomach before celebrating and leaving. I got to point out, by the way, Sting was just in a plain black singlet. 
no logos, nothing. Just all black. Probably left him at home. Yeah. Like, crap, does anybody have a spare singlet? Sure, Stinger. You always carry plain black black singlets backstage. It's a rule in wrestling. (laughs) Wait, Rick Steiner might have. (laughs) All right, uh, that's the end of the event. Uh, We'll take our final break right here. When we come back, we're going to be talking about our final ratings and what is to come in the weeks ahead. We'll be right back. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the hydration watermelon smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives so you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. The been thinking about McDonald's all day can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we're back. Final break here, and uh, the final ratings of the show. Internet Movie Database gave it 6.7 out of 10. Cagematch.net gave it a 6.03 out of 10. I gave it a 7 out of 10. What did you give it? I gave it a C plus, but man, it was it was such a fun experience being there too. When Sting won that I title, bet. I remember like the whole place is going crazy, man. I was like jumping for joy. I think yeah, yeah. that might have been the first world title change I've ever seen live. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, I mean, that was new to me, too. I was a huge Sting fan. Still am, but... I feel like... I mean, while this moment was cool, I feel like Sting shouldn't have had it stripped from him at all. Yeah. Weird. This whole thing was just odd. I don't know. But... You didn't have a tan this night, either, so... I know. That's... That was another thing Conrad Thompson brought up. He was like, okay, what was the difference between how he looked and acted in December 97 and February of 98? He still wasn't tan. He was in the same shape. Like, what the hell? He just didn't like the cut of his jib the first night? Maybe he didn't like his hair. That's why Matt Morgan never got a push. Oh, man, yeah. Hey, how am I supposed to take you seriously as a giant with that hair? <laughs> what? <laughs> He's a giant that can do drop kicks. Shut the F up. What does drop kicks with that hair? No, yeah, I know. I mean, Bischoff is the hair authority, so. But yeah, I mean, all in all, not every match was a hit on this show, obviously. But I mean, Booker T got some solid time and really got to come into his own. I feel at the beginning of the show. Uh, well, you know, Disco got some solid time too. <laughs> oh God, I know. <laughs> and Laparca. Uh, Jericho and Juventude had a great match, I feel. DDP and Benoit had a great match. 
you know, Stein, Rick Steiner went on his trajectory to uh, be a single star. So, I mean, and we had Hogan versus Sting, too. So, all in all, big night in WCW. Unfortunately, we'd have to ruin yeah, it all yeah, the next yeah. month. Yeah. Unfortunately, we'd have to ruin it all the next month with Uncensored, but nah, I kid. But seriously. Or do I kid? I <laughs> Kind of, maybe. Yeah. Uncensored was always a pile of crap. So, either way, that's that show. Super Bowl 8, everybody. Greg was there. This Friday, we are dropping our bonus episode. We're going to throw you a freaking bonus here. It's WWE's No Way Out 2006. I will say this is going to be more of a talk about the event kind of episode. We do have some news and notes to get into. Some stuff that's semi-big, but, I mean, TNA was doing their thing at this time, and it was mostly just WWE stuff. So we'll get into all that. The show itself, you know, not to discourage anybody from it. The show itself was freaking great. I don't remember this one, but it was so good. Uh, You know, so tune in. Check that out. I'm excited to talk about that with Greg. And next Wednesday, we are dropping our first TNA episode of the year. We are going TNA Against All Odds 2005 to close out the month of February. I... Don't know if I've ever seen this one. So I I know it's got one match on there that's freaking epic. Yeah, we wanted to throw a TNA show on, not as a bonus, but as a regular show. It's from uh, 16 years ago. So check it all out and uh, see what we thought about it. It's going to be fun. I'm very much looking forward to this. But that closed out our February. Thank you for joining me today, Greg. Mm-hmm. And we will see you all next week. Actually, we'll see you all on Friday with WWE and No next Way week. Out. And next week. But this Friday, No Way Out 2006, next Wednesday, Against All Odds 2005. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. 
With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors.